This message comes from NPR sponsor Bank of America. With the Bank of America Cash Rewards Credit Card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping. The essentials have never felt more rewarding. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding to apply now. Copyright 2020 Bank of America Corporation. Cell phone footage shows police killing unarmed black people. Protesters take to the streets, rinse and repeat for a decade. Why? Everyone moves on. A blunt reminder that we've been here before on Code Switch from NPR. From NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Robin Hilton. Every week I begin the show by wishing everyone a happy Friday just for making it through the week and to celebrate all the music that's coming out. But it obviously doesn't feel like a very happy Friday at all. It's been a rough couple of weeks. We actually talked about not doing a show this week. There are certainly uh, a whole lot more important things going on in the world right now than this podcast. But we also know a lot of people turn to this program for a break from what's been a pretty relentless news cycle. So we're here, but we're going to break our usual format. We're going to devote this episode to a bigger discussion about the new one from Run the Jewels. It was already uh, one of the year's more anticipated albums, but the music we're hearing sounds a lot different now. After the killing of George Floyd by police officer in Minneapolis and all the nationwide protests that have followed. And after Killer Mike's uh, incredible and deeply moving press conference last week, uh, the new Run the Jewels album is hitting us pretty hard, and we, we need more time to talk about it. The album is called RTJ4. Mastered economics, cause you took yourself from squalor. Slave. Mastered academics, cause your grace said you were scholar. Slave. Mastered Instagram, cause you can instigate a follow. Shit. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Yeah. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters. Spend it time, I'm on mine, I be minding mine Every time, on my grind, I'm just trying to shine Make a dollar, government, they want a dozen dimes The petty kind might kill you cause they see you shine I done had to have a talk with myself plenty times Am I a hypocrite cause I know I did plenty crime I get broke too many times, I might slay some pines You believe corporations running marijuana Master of these politics, you swear that you got options. Master of opinion, cause you vote with the white collar. The 13th Amendment says that slavery's abolished. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? This is Run the Jewels. Their latest is RTJ4. Uh, The cut we're listening to is called Just uh, Killer Mike LP. Uh, This one features Pharrell Williams and Zach De La Roca. Uh, And for this discussion, I'm joined by Nate Chinin of WBGO and Jazz Night in America. Hey, Nate. Hey, Robin. John Morrison, host of XPN's Culture Cypher Radio out of Philly and the podcast Serious Rap Shit. Hey, what's up, Robin? And Gavin Godfrey joins us, uh, an Atlanta native and freelance writer whose work has been featured in Vice, Rolling Stone, The Fader, Pigeons and Planes, and more. Thanks for doing this, Gavin. Thanks, Robin. Thanks for having me. So we talk a lot on this show 
about music from the heart. And what I mean is, you know, we're all just a bunch of music dorks who like talking about like what we love about an album or artist, you know, how it makes us feel and, you know, what, what we love about the melodies. And obviously there's a lot on this album that warrants a deeper discussion, but I do want to start with just the music uh, itself uh, and where you all think RTJ4 sort of lands in Killer Mike, uh, Killer Mike's and LP's time together. I mean, right off the top, uh, I spoke with with Mike and LP last week uh, for a feature I'm working on with Pigeons and Planes and Complex. And um, I think one of the things that stood out to me is before going into the interview, LP, I saw in a different um, story, had said that he felt like this was their best album ever, um, that it was their best work, their most focused work. And, you know, as any journalist, I kind of go into that with a little skepticism. Like, I'll, I'll listen to it first, but my God, I mean, it's incredible. I feel like they've kind of hit a stride or, you know, got this momentum that they've had before. I mean, obviously they wouldn't be as successful as they are having not been, you know, on top of their game. But I think this one really is the two of them kind of finding that balance with each other in a kind of perfect sense. And just lyrically, uh, production-wise, I don't feel like we've had a more timely album. Yeah, I agree. Um, Immediately what stood out to me, I noticed that the vocal interplay between Killer Mike and LP, it seems like it's gotten more precise and intense with this record. They're going back and forth. Um, a lot of the themes, obviously, there's a lot of like violence, righteous indignation in this record, uh, but it's also kind of delivered in a, a really playful way. So it's, it's kind of this like surreal, almost absurd you know, detailing of American violence that's played out between these two as as MCs and as vocalists. Yeah, it comes in, you know, as soon as the, the album begins, you've got those drums. And, you know, I've always thought of, of LP's production and, you know, the, the work of other producers on Run the Jewels as being, you know, raw first, right? That's the first attribute. And on this album, you get that right away, but it's also huge, you know, it also has the grandeur of like a Kanye beat too. And, you know, it's funny, I, I think about on RTJ3, that uh, live from the garden cry on Call Ticketron, you know, which is very clearly this kind of triumphal flex moment. And on this album, they're, they've moved past that. They're like, okay, you know, we've, we've made that point. And now that's just a part of the, of the chemistry here. We can be huge and we can still be scrappy. Yeah, uh, the the interplay is what I've always loved about these guys. And if you haven't seen the tiny desk that they did, you should because it's it's my literally my all time seriously my all time favorite tiny desk we've done. You see them together, the way they play off each other, you can tell they really feel each other and that they really love working together. And like you said, that that chemistry is is undeniable. And something about this record, you know, and I think it's something they've always done is that there's a lot of rage on it. It does get big and loud, but it's also kind of funny at times, you know? Uh, I want to play another another cut, one of the singles that they dropped. Uh, it's called Ooh La La.
Looking for M's like I lost a friend. Jump out of my bed like where the bread. You go hold the egg. Waiter, bring the check. When we talk, we collision the cars. Keep us in your thoughts. Fully dressed at the crack of dawn. Weapons heading off. I can hear them from the block. See them creeping through the fog. Season's greetings, now feeding season can start. Oh my God. Look alive. Looking like I live life on a crooked line. Doing fine. You want maximum stupid. I am the guy. First of all, fuck the fucking law. We is fucking raw. Stay ta ta. Oysters on the half jail. Sushi bar. Life a bitch and the pussy feet. Still fuck the wall, I'm a dog, I'm a dirty dog, ha 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 Oh dirty bastard, go in your jaw, shimmy shimmy y'all Got the semi in the hemi, go and gimme gimme y'all Pugilistic, my linguistics, RJ Ruda damage y'all And I rap it, pornographic, be set up the camera So when I first heard this I thought it's kind of goofy, right? I mean, it's so, it's so, it's almost like caricatures, you know? Like, am I supposed to take this seriously? And then you get into the lyrics, you know, and it's a real rage against the machine sort of rap. And it kind of left me wondering what to think, you know? Like, they speak a lot of truth across this whole record, but sometimes I don't know how serious they're being. Yeah, and a lot of ways I do get that same impression that obviously the subject matter is heavy and is, is serious and intense, but then there's also this kind of uh, playful thread, emotional thread that runs through the music on this record. It's especially present in the video for Ooh La La. You watch it, people are rioting, yeah. they're burning up stuff and, and just like taking to the streets, but also dancing in the streets and like expressing joy. And it's a joyful video you know the the tone of it yeah and that really uh is that video is really a prophetic image or, or piece of work because we're literally seeing that now in these uh current protests we're seeing folks burning stuff up and looting and riding in the streets and expressing all of this rage but there's also a joy in resistance and we're literally seeing people dancing in the streets at these protests I think that that's part of what lies at the core of this record, and it's definitely a thread that runs through it. It's this uh, joyful feeling of resistance. The world is fucked up. People are dying. People are being oppressed. The police are acting as a terroristic force in our neighborhoods, but we're also joyful in resisting that. And I get a sense that the the brotherhood that they have is is really also a source of that joy, right? It's life-sustaining. It's like there was a point at which it was, I mean, it's always been sort of the subject of Run the Jewels in a certain way, but I feel like here you really get this feeling of like, no, this is really, in part, this is what this is about. I had a feeling listening to this album that that there's been a a small shift in, in one sense, which is that on some of their past albums, there have been moments where LP seemed like sort of an unstable force or, or someone who was in need of, of support. You know, like Killer Mike has been this rock, right? And LP sometimes seems like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, things are falling apart. Like, and I feel like on this album, there are some really distinct moments where Killer Mike, he needs someone to lean on. And, and LP is the one who sort of steps in and says, like, no, I, I got you. You know, it's hard for me to know whether 
I have that feeling because of the current circumstances and, and what we've seen Killer Mike have to do in the public sphere. But it, it, it seems lyrically like that's happening on this album. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally see that because, you know, in talking to them, Mike always jokes that his wife Shay tells him, you have two marriages. It's to me and then run the jewels because the relationship that they have with each other is like a marriage, right? It was all fun and love and roses in the beginning and they were just throwing stuff out there and hoping for the best and now they're actually building this relationship. Um, and I think on this album, what, what really stands out to me is like you're saying, I feel like it, you can tell that creatively, musically, and just personally, like it feels like they one can't be successful without the other and not like they're nothing about each other. It's more like they only enhance each other, right? And um, to, to, to John's point about, it sounds like they're just having a lot more fun. It's so much fun, even though they're talking about heavy stuff. And I have a quote that I wanted to share with you guys from Mike about why his working relationship with LP and particularly this album is so much more fun than say collaborations he's had or the solo projects or um, any kind of thing he's done with Dungeon Family and the Collective. And he said, um, doing this album working with LP allows me to be as creative as a 15 year old who wants to make a record about angst, what I'm angry about with society just to get off my chest so I don't implode. But at the same time, it's also to just rap about fucking shooting old ladies and poodles if they don't meet my demands. <laughs> so I think that's to that, to that point that we're making here about the absurdity too. I think they're, they're two very intelligent men who also realize that we are living in dark times, but they're also just ridiculously absurd times. And I think you can't address the seriousness of it without also being a little lighthearted about it as well. And I think their relationship has grown so much that that only is kind of showcasing itself even more on this album. I, I keep thinking about personas and, and you talk about the fun that they're having. The whole album opens like a like a 70s crime, TV crime drama or something, you know, starring the anti-heroes on the run, Yankee and the Brave. And, and it left me wondering, you know, how much are they playing characters and how much of this is really themselves? Because some of it's so over the top and comical and then at the same time as you all say you know very sobering and serious i i think i think very much so and one point mike makes is that as solo artists they were very much um more trying to play into roles right mike says that like when he was 10 years old he just wanted to be a rapper's rapper and that throughout his career he's been doing that he's been playing this persona um everybody remembers when he went from killer mike to mike bigger for like a little bit um, and then came back to Killer Mike. I think that was him trying to make sense of the fact that I have Killer in my name, but I'm also educating people on my lyrics at the same time. And I think for LP, I think we've touched on it a little bit too, is that he was going through some 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 dark times, you know, and his his label went through financial hell, and he was he felt like he was he was putting on a role. He had to keep a facade, keep up you know appearances for what people had known about him and and company flow and his history. But I think. What they both talk about is coming together. Sure, there's still elements of, of playing those characters, right? There's the Yankee and the Brave. They are playing into those roles, but they both have said that they've never felt more comfortable sharing their music and their gifts with somebody else until they got with each other. So I think you're starting to see some more of the vulnerability um, between the two of them. I think this, this album shows a lot more of them getting personal, especially LP. And so I think, yeah, the, the personas are still there, but, and just, and I don't know LP obviously as well, but I've known Mike for almost a decade now, and there's not much difference between the man you're seeing in person and you're seeing 
um, at press conferences with the mayor and the guy you're hearing on wax minus, you know, old lady and, and poodle puns to keep it to keep it light. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it speaks to the nature of rap music as an art form itself. Right. It's always been about maintaining that balance. Uh, even when you look at early groups like the Furious Five, the Cold Crush Brothers, rappers dressed the part. You know what I mean? Like you didn't look like the guys on stage. They wore these outrageous outfits, but they also spoke to the real life flesh and blood concerns of the community. So it's I feel like Run the Jewels really does that, especially on this record, whereas they present very real, very serious ideas but in an over-the-top way and and channeled through these over-the-top personas i want to get into some of those heavier themes you talk about um john and get to some more music this is a cut called walking in the snow and it features gangsta boo yeah ho gangsta boo run the jewel we back on our shit and it's cold as from the ages one to four around the age of five you shipped away for your body to be stored they promise education but really they give you tests and scores and they predict in prison population by who's going the lowest and usually the lowest scores the poorest and they look like me and every day on the evening news they feed your fear for free and you so numb you watch the cops choke out a man like me until my voice goes from a shriek to whisper i can't breathe and you sit there in the house on couch and watch it on tv the most you give is a Twitter rant and call it a tragedy. But truly the travesty, you've been robbed of your empathy. Replaced it with apathy, I wish I could magically. Fast forward the future so then you can face it and see how fucked up it'll be. I promise I'm honest, they coming for you the day after they coming for me. I'm Rita Chomsky, I'm Reed Bukowski, I'm laying low for a week. I said something on behalf of my people and I popped up in WikiLeaks. Thank God that I'm covered, the devil can smother then you know the evil don't sleep. Dick Gregory told me a couple of secrets before we lay down in his grave. All of us serve the same masters. All of us nothing but slaves. Never forgetting the story of Jesus, the hero was killed by the state. Just got done walking in the snow. Goddamn that motherfucker cold. Just got done walking in the snow. Goddamn that motherfucker cold. Just got done walking in the snow. Goddamn that motherfucker cold. Just got done walking in the snow. Goddamn that motherfucker cold. This was one where I was thinking, God, you know, there's so much pain and awfulness in this track. And it's really, really hard to hear particularly Killer Mike's first term when he takes uh, direct aim at um, you know, police violence and the killing of black men. He says, uh, and every day the evening news, they feed you fear for free and you so numb you watch the cops choke out a man like me until my voice goes from a shriek to a whisper, I can't breathe. And you sit there in a house on a couch and watch it on TV. This album was written and recorded obviously before the police killing of George Floyd, but it so speaks directly to it. And the idea of murder porn, um, watching this on TV is something, you know, Killer Mike addressed directly in that press conference. And I talked at the beginning of the show in the introduction how music sounds different when events like this happen. It reconfigures the way you're seeing and hearing everything. But the truth is in this record, there is an alarm going off on this whole album and it's one that they have been ringing for a very long time. Yeah, Walking in the Snow might be my favorite song on this album. Lyrically, I love Killer Mike's first verse. He draws a clear connection between the school-to-prison pipeline, police murder, systemic oppression, uh, but he also makes this case for the media as a force that desensitizes the population to you know what's going on and these evils. 
white people in particular have been watching black people get beat by police on television since the civil rights era, you know? And it's like, where's the empathy? Where's your outrage? Yeah. And that's a question that he's asking all of us. And as we go through this cataloging of systemic evils that permeate our society, the music itself on Walking in the Snow gets more evil and more sinister. It's really just a masterful composition, lyrically and musically, and in how, in how it uh, develops as it plays out. Yeah, I totally, I, I totally agree. And, and it's incredibly powerful because Killer Mike is such a, he's so thoughtful about systems. And so to call out racial injustice is one thing, but to interrogate the entire systemic organizational structure, you know, it's, it's, and it's something, as you, as you say, John, it's something he can do and be pithy too. And this, this is a real masterpiece of that. You know, there's another line later in his verse, I guess he, he, he ends the verse by saying, never forget in the story of Jesus, the hero was killed by the state. That's a lot to say in one line, you know, <laughs> he conjures so much and um, it's really, it's really potent, especially at this moment when systemic oppression is, is, you know, in particular on everyone's minds. When I heard this, I was kind of stopped in my tracks, you know, throughout this, this pandemic and all of the protests and unrest that's happening, my wife and I got a house and we weren't looking for one, we weren't trying to take advantage of a pandemic, but there was a lot of positive energy in my life. And at one point it just hit me like a ton of bricks, everything that's happening. And then literally about a day later, somebody sent me the link uh, to this album and I heard this song and it had, I didn't I couldn't have heard it more clear at the time because it was my family and friends all debating about what was going on and these like he mentions after the line it says most the most you give about these issues is a Twitter rant not only speaks to what's actually happening but how there's literally arguments about how people should react you know you're not black enough if you're not protesting you're out doing something about it white people need to speak up more everybody needs to do something and i think this kind of speaks to that angst and what's like you're mentioning it's crazy he's not actually speaking about what's happening now he's mentioning the eric garners of the past and not much has changed and that alarm that they've been sounding for so long is is, is the loudest it's ever been in terms of what's going on right now and so for this this song i feel like all the all the songs like like john has mentioned there's been this thread throughout the album with this one i was just kind of kind of stuck you know it really just hit me and I thought to myself, like, am I, am I paying enough attention? Am I doing enough? Have I been too, too busy on my high of home ownership to realize that outside of my house, the world is, is, is falling apart? And I really appreciate them for stopping and making us think about it for a little bit. I'm wondering what you all made of the closing track, A Few Words for the Firing Squad, um, because it's kind of epic and it goes in so many directions. We can hear just the top of it here. Once again, it's four days straight. I didn't wake you, baby. I just watched you lay in the radiation of the city sun. I am in love with you. It is my only grace. You know how everything can seem a little out of place. All of my life has seemed to be the only normal state. So being a normal never really made me feel insane. 
being clear about the truth of being sane I've never really been the same I used to want to get the chance to show the world I'm smart Listen at them, I should have focused mostly on the heart Cause I see smarter people trample life like it's a heart Still being smart ain't what it used to be that's fucking dark You ever notice that the worst of us have all the chips? It really kinda take the sheen on people getting rich Like maybe rich is not the holy ever loving king or nothing Fuckers know we know you love but you are dealing with a motherfucking money money runners now I'm going to scooch a little bit later on so we can hear how this uh, evolves and takes on a completely different uh, sound. This felt, this felt like the opus to me. I mean, it, it felt like, man, they are going out big. Yeah, this was an incredible way for them to end this record. It's really uh, brilliant how this song in particular plays on tension and release. You get this feeling of like anger and rage built up, but then also this weary feeling with the strings. But... I think that LP in particular has a track record for these type of songs, you know, emotionally a hard left hook to the heart. It's like this enraged, fiery sax solo on this record. It's it's really an epic and amb- ambitious way of ending this album. Yeah, it's it's so true and I feel duty-bound as the jazz guy here. Uh, to say that um, that tenor saxophonist, Cochimea Gastelum, who, who used to be a member of the Dap Kings, you know, when I hear this, especially with the strings and, you know, LP um, wrote some of these string arrangements, too. It really puts me in the frame of mind of Archie Shep's Attica Blues, this this like extremely soulful, but like also very jazz rooted, but also sort of orchestral sweeping statement. I mean, there's. Uh, as you said, John, it's it's rich, it's like so thoughtful, and it provides this kind of um, cinematic backdrop for you know th- these incredibly personal revelations in in the lyrics. You know, I was really stopped in my tracks when I the first time I heard that passage where Killer Mike is talking about his wife. You know, and people saying, "Oh, well, you know." this guy could be another Malcolm. He could be another Martin. And, and sh- she says like, I need a husband more than the world needs another martyr. And, and so to have a line like that surrounded by this kind of sonic tapestry feels, you know, really powerful to me. Yeah. I would say that's my favorite cut on the entire album. I've, ever since I've gotten this stream, I probably listen to it two or three times a day. Sometimes I'm amped. Sometimes I'm literally crying. Uh, I think, there's a line he has um, where he's kind of, where Killer Mike's going into the, the death of his mother and then having to face the world after that. And he says, I'm dead serious. It's a chore not to let myself just go insane. And I think that's kind of a, a psyche for a lot of people right now going through what we're going through. But I also, 
Um, when I was listening to it, um, to me, I feel like it's almost one of the most vulnerable cuts in terms of what the guys are talking about. And it made me think about an old Bubba Sparks line from uh, his Deliverance album where he says, uh, you know, legends are made out of vulnerable men. And I think that one, what I love about this song is that you hear LP talking about waking up in the morning super early, four days in a row, just staring at his wife in bed because sometimes it's these little moments of of solitude or silence, um, despite all this noise and this loud, boisterous album that came before it, um, it's these little moments that I think that they're really stopping to take time to acknowledge and, and, and be present in. And I think uh, this particular record is that. And for me, it's like one of the best, if not the greatest, like album closers I've ever heard, just because I feel like a lot of album closers, especially with a lot of Atlanta rappers these days, like my boy Trouble and some other folks, it's always like some R&B hook and it's a shout out to homies that have passed or like, you know, my bad to, to, the, to, the, to the boo inside piece whose hearts are broke. But this is like, this feels like a diary um, and it feels like something that we've heard, but maybe also not heard from them, if that, if that makes sense. And it seems like for it to be the last cut, there's so much packed in there that you just can't help but still continue to think about everything you've heard after it's over. There's so much that we could keep talking about with this record. It's one I think people will be listening to, certainly for the rest of the year, and thinking about. I don't have any super profound closing thoughts, except to say that, you know, one thing that everyone brought up is how vulnerable they allow themselves to be on this record. And I think, you know, when when people listen to some of the harder-hitting songs and they hear the outrage and they hear that anger and that frustration, that rage, it's easy to forget that inside that rage is a person with feelings who's really hurting right now. And I, I hope that that's something that people feel and are aware of when they listen to this record. Well, thanks so much to all of you for, uh, for doing this. Gavin Godfrey in Atlanta, thank you so much. We'll do this again. Thank you, guys. And John Morrison in Philly. Thanks, Robin. And Nate Chinin. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, guys. Take it easy, brothers. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Love to all. And thanks to everyone who tuned into New Music Friday this week. There were a whole bunch of other albums that we heard and loved that came out today on June 5th uh, and that we'd still like you to know about. So as always, we've updated our New Music Friday playlists in Apple Music and Spotify. Just do a search for NPR Music in either of those apps, and you'll find songs from new albums by Sarah Jarose, Katie Malko, Daniel Parker, Hines, Group RTD, The Prison Music Project, Fortet, Mount Joy, and a whole bunch more. And for NPR Music, I'm Robin Hilton. Please be good to yourselves and to each other. Be well and treat yourself to lots of music.